slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Tuesday edition. Yes, the Tuesday playoff edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you as we talk about everything happening in and around the world of the New York Islanders. Game two between the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Today at high noon, we will have a full preview of the game on today's show from a whole lot of different perspectives, especially the Islanders. But we'll also take a look at what the Panthers are saying and doing. We'll talk about the status of Johnny Boychuk, as he is trying to recover from his head injury, we will talk about the goaltending situation and a whole lot more to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. If you've got something that's on your mind, Islanders related, a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, send us an email. The address lockedonislanders at gmail.com. If you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles is the Twitter handle. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders happenings and news as it happens. All right, so game two, a matinee today. Up in Toronto, 12 noon, and the early start is always something that has to concern hockey players, and I think it'll concern them a little bit less during this whole bubble pandemic situation than it would under normal circumstances, but the thing about hockey players, hockey players are creatures of habit. And it is usually their habit that you wake up, you have a morning skate, you have a nap, you have a pregame meal, and then you have, you know, your warm-ups, and then you have the game, and so on. There is a routine that both psychologically and physically players are used to and that they adhere to, and the more you deviate from that routine, the more potential, you know, issues there are as far as the way a team performs. Now, already, being in Toronto, being in a bubble, being, you know, staying in a hotel and not being allowed to leave, all of those things means that nothing is quote-unquote normal, that the routine has already been broken. And the whole key for the Islanders, and and it affects both teams equally, if you think about it, but the whole key is that the Islanders need to get enough sleep and be physically and mentally ready to go for that 12 o'clock noon face-off in games two and three. Now, if there are a a fourth and fifth game, if they are necessary, 
We don't know the times yet. That's still to be determined. But Tuesday, today, Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, 12 noon, games two and three for the Islanders. So they better be ready and get used to that time frame uh, pretty quickly. The advantage of having that 12 noon start is that the ice will be in the best condition it can be in under the circumstances. And that is something that is, you know, not so hard to to ignore. It's something you shouldn't be overlooking. Obviously, the ice quality is an issue that affects all teams out there. But, you know, look, first of all, it is August. It is warm. And if it's humid and warm, that makes it tougher to maintain good ice conditions regardless of where it is that you're playing. Now, we all know, for example, Barclay Center, Madison Square Garden, these are arenas that have traditionally had issues with the ice. But Toronto, usually among the better ice surfaces out there, playing first means the ice surface will be in better shape. You'll have truer bounces. You will have, uh, you know, easier time skating, passing accurately, etc., So that is the good thing about the early start for the Islanders, and hopefully that is something that they can do that will really uh, move things along and and help them play the kind of hockey game they want to play. And I think, you know, especially for the Islanders, they want to be able to get the puck out of their own zone smoothly and efficiently. And if the ice is in better shape, they will have an easier time doing that instead of you try to clear the puck, it hits a rut in the ice, it takes a funny bounce, it's a turnover, and then Florida has that golden scoring opportunity that the Islanders' defense would not otherwise allow. Uh, So, again, something to keep an eye on. The quality of the ice is always a factor in the National Hockey League. A little bit of news and notes that doesn't directly deal with this playoff series, but I think it is uh, certainly worth uh, a mention. Yesterday, the Islanders put in an application to trademark the stable and from the stable, uh, from the barn to the stable. So they're trying to sort of set up a nickname for the new arena, the UBS Arena in Belmont, uh, and they're going to try to get it to be called the stable and then they trademark or, or are attempting to trademark the stable, and from the barn to the stable, which is really from the Coliseum to the UBS arena. So Islanders putting in for those trademarks. We'll see if they officially get it, but clearly, you know, they're looking for that nickname, that branding, that way to refer to the new arena that will you know, become popular, and I guess when you think about it, the fact that it's so close to Belmont Park, the horse is all there, that's where they get to call it, why they get to call it the stable, and from the barn to the stable is sort of the passing of the tradition from the Nassau Coliseum to the new UBS arena. So, Islanders making those moves, trademarking those two, uh, phrases or sayings, and uh, we'll see when and if they get official approval for that. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about 
Johnny Boychuk status for game two. The Islanders goaltending approach as we head to back-to-back games and how the Panthers are looking at game one and game two, what changes they might make. So lots more to talk about on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Injury situation. The big injury suffered by the Islanders in game one. Johnny Boychuk, the defenseman, injured early on, uh, was not in the lineup for most of the the uh, game, only played five minutes, missed the second and third periods, and it's a headshot. I mean, originally a five-minute major was called. They rescinded the major, went down to a two-minute minor. Uh, I think that the call was probably a good one, only because I don't think there was intent, uh, and it was a borderline uh, whether or not the main focal point of contact was the head or just below it. But regardless, uh, when in doubt, I prefer that they not give the major penalty with the game misconduct. Um, I wouldn't have objected loudly if they would have. Again, I think it was kind of borderline, but especially in the playoffs, you unless it's a flagrantly dirty hit, you don't want the referees deciding the outcome of the game. So anyway, Boychuk, uh, doubtful for today's game, did not practice yesterday. And Barry Trotz indicated that what he plans to do is during pregame warmups, he'll have both uh, Noah Dobson and Andy Green out there skating. And after warmups, if Boychuk cannot go, uh, Trotz will make a decision as to most likely which one, Green or Dobson, will step into the lineup and fill in for Boychuk if he cannot go. Now, obviously, their first preference is for Boychuk to be available, to have him skate, and to have him play. But, I, I you know, they said he's doubtful, so it looks like uh, they're going to have to sub for him. Quite honestly, uh Knowing Barry Trotz, who has that preference for veterans, um, I think he's going to go with Green rather than Dobson, even though I think Dobson probably adds a little bit more offensively to the lineup, especially as someone who could really contribute on that second power play unit. But uh, at the end of the day, Trotz tends to like his veterans. We saw you know, Cunackle over Johnston in the lineup in game one, I get the feeling, and this is, you know, my gut feeling, that when it push comes to shove, uh, if anything, Trotz will go with the veteran. Meanwhile, the Islanders are up one to nothing, and we saw that statistic all over the place uh, during game one in newspapers, in broadcasts, on, on Twitter, you know, team that goes up one nothing in a best of five series uh, has it was just a hair under an 82 percent chance of winning uh, that series. Well, what about teams that go up two to nothing in a best of five series? Well, since the NHL introduced the best of five in the 80s, there have been 56 best of five series in the books. 
uh, or, or at least 56 times that a team took a 2-0 lead in a best-of-five series, excuse me. And teams that go up 2-0 in a best-of-five series have a 982 winning percentage. They have won 55 out of 56 possible series. The one exception, by the way, the Islanders, back in 1985, fell behind the Washington Capitals 2 to nothing, came back and won that series. So that is the only time out of 56 tries that a team that took a 2 nothing lead in a series lost that series, and the Islanders are directly responsible for that. So, a big game coming up today for the Islanders. You take that 2-0 lead, you are in a very commanding position for the rest of that series. And uh, unquestionably, that is where the Islanders want to be when things get started. So, look, they are hoping for good results all the way around. But you take that commanding 2-0 lead, and we'll see. As for, you know, Mike Matheson, the man who delivered the hit on Boychuk, I will give the Islanders credit because they did not go after Matheson, take a bad penalty in the process. I mean, they didn't just sit back and let it happen. They did defend Boychuk and their teammate, but there were no cheap shots. There were no instigator penalties. And if you look back at the game, you know, the Islanders did not have a comfortable lead at any point where you could say, yeah, we, we could afford to, you know, give the other team a power play here because we're up four to one with five minutes left in the game. So, you know, if I want to send a message to Mike Matheson, that would be sort of the time to do it. When you're up one nothing, two nothing, two to one, you don't have the luxury of taking a foolish penalty. And credit to Trotz and the Islanders, they kept their cool and more or less waited for that right moment in order to, uh, you know, send a message back to uh, Matheson and to the Florida Panthers. So we'll see what the Islanders are able to do, but... The primary job at hand is to get uh, that 2-0 lead in the series, and if they can continue to also, while they're at it, uh, you know, respond to Matheson, that is certainly uh, something that they want to do. As for the Florida Panthers, the biggest solace that they took from Game 1 is that they played, they got very good goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky. And we talked when we were previewing this series for a few weeks until, you know, before it got started, how important Bobrovsky was going to be to the Florida Panthers. And if Bobrovsky isn't playing well, the Panthers have very little chance of winning this series. Well, they got their answer in game one. Sergei Bobrovsky played a good game. Not, uh, you know, a lights out, perfect, outstanding game, but he played well enough to have his team win. 
and he kept them in that game when the Islanders had chances to increase that 2-0 lead, Bobrovsky was there, and that is an important factor for the Florida Panthers. And again, the fact that Bobrovsky came through is something that the Panthers are looking at to hang their hopes on, and it's important psychologically for them because they know now that they have a chance to get back into the series. All right, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the changes Joel Quenville is likely to make to the Florida lineup after his team lost Game 1, and we'll start previewing Game 2, talk about what the Islanders need to do to be successful. Lots more to talk about on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. One more piece of good news league-wide, by the way. Uh, The NHL announcing on Monday that between July 27th and August 1st, they conducted 7,013 COVID-19 tests, and there were zero positive results. So staying in that bubble and doing things the right way so far seems to have paid off for the National Hockey League. And as of yesterday, every team out of the 24 that are still alive has played at least one game, whether it's in the play-in series or the round-robin to determine seeding series. Uh, All 24 teams have now played at least one game. And that means that so far, so good when it comes to safety and hockey fans especially after seeing the mess that Major League Baseball has turned into, uh, certainly has to be uh, relieved, to say the least, that in the NHL, things are, at least for now, going well. Obviously, you know, the problem with all of this, it just takes a couple of guys who want to leave their hotel and go where they're not supposed to go, or, you know, have someone visit them inside the bubble. You know, someone who just, one or two guys can break the rules and all of a sudden things can spread. But hopefully that will not be the case here. And the Islanders realistically uh, getting ready for game two. The Panthers, by the way, uh, looking to break up their top line where they put, you know, Barkov and... Hubbardo and Hoffman together, and, you know, you put all your eggs in one basket, you have that super line, but it makes it a little bit easier for Barry Trotz to send out his desired defensive pair and his desired checking forwards uh, against most of the Panthers' top talented offensive players. Joel Quenville probably going to mix things up a little bit in Game 2, not necessarily have all of his players, you know, his top offensive players out there on the ice at the same time. And that will present a different set of challenges for Barry Trotz when he tries to go out and match lines. It'll be interesting and we'll see. But again, that is... uh, I mean, uh, the, the chess match that we're going to see between Quenville 
and Trotz, two of the best coaches in the National Hockey League, and uh, it'll be exciting. Meanwhile, as far as the Islanders are concerned, some keys for Game 2. As far as goaltending is concerned, I think we'll see Varlamov again in Game 2. And then the real possibility, especially if the Islanders win today, is that they go to Tomas Grice for Game 3 because it would be, you know, on back-to-back days and it would allow Varlamov some rest and keep Grice sharp. So if the Islanders go up 2-0, I think it's likely we see Grice in Game 3. If the Islanders lose Game 2 and Varlamov plays poorly, I think it's very likely we see Grice in Game 3. The Islanders, again, played their style in Game 1, and that is so very important. And they have to hope that they can continue to play their style in Game 2, and it's interesting, a quote from Joel Quenville that was up on the Panthers' official website. We've got to make sure that we're smart with how we approach the game. A defensive mindset in all zones is part of it as well. If we can have better puck possession, a better puck possession game, open up in the offensive zone with a little possession, it can help our game. And The Islanders defensively did a fantastic job of smothering the high-powered Panthers offense and limiting their scoring chances. According to the website naturalstattrick.com, the Panthers only had five shot attempts from what are considered high-danger areas on the ice. That's half of what they averaged over the course of the regular season. They averaged a little more than 10. So as far as the Panthers are concerned, they've got to try to get more offense going, but the Islanders have to be very, very pleased with the way they were able to stifle the Florida attack in game one. And again, I think that's why Barry Trotz would go more with uh, Green over Dobson if it comes to that. Because uh, Green, A, is the veteran, and B, is more reliable in his own zone than Dobson, who would be facing a whole different kind of a situation in his first NHL uh, postseason game and so on. So, again, Islanders are a defense-first team. They've got to keep doing well at special teams, and they've certainly got to continue to get scoring chances from that third line, that Pajot, Cunacle, Brassard line. It it worked very well in game one. They want more of the same in game two. And I think the other thing is you have uh you really want to get Matthew Barzal, Anders Lee, you want to get uh Jordan Eberly that line going and 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 get them in more involved in the offense and more involved in the scoring. They had some chances in game one, but I think the Islanders would like to see a little bit more from them in game two. And again, uh, as far as the Islanders are concerned, they want to just keep on doing what they're doing. The Panthers, by the way, were encouraged that in the second period and third period, they outshot the Islanders. 
they had the better of the, uh, you know, more chances later in the game, uh, especially in the second period, than they did in the first period. But again, in the third period, it was the Islanders limiting the chances and especially encouraging if you're an Islander fan. You know, Florida scored that goal 23 seconds into the third period, and that cut the lead to 2-1. to one. And it would have been so easy for Islander fans and indeed even Islanders players to say, uh-oh, here we go again. But they didn't do that. They clamped down, they limited Florida's chances, and they ended up holding on to win the hockey game. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Game 2 of this playoff series play-in round. We'll be back tomorrow with a full recap of Game 2 and a quick turnaround to preview Game 3. Remember, our episodes drop a little after midnight every night. So if you're a night owl, you're up past 12.30, let's say, uh, you could listen to an episode then or first thing in the morning. It should be at your podcatcher of choice. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating and a review to help other Islander fans find our podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Enjoy game two. And of course, let's go Islanders.